Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop Podcast. I'm Paul Drag, recording from Vancouver. I'm Oshin Dropovil, recording from Slovenia. <laughs> that worked perfectly. That was good. We haven't published an episode in a while. No, we've been like, we've been quiet. We did record an episode. Yeah, we did actually record one, but we hated it. Okay, I'll explain it. Uh, I was working through the edit and just the whole thing we were talking about app store business and pricing models and all that kind of stuff and just got really fed up with um, how that's not really the stuff that we're passionate about. Yeah, I didn't listen back to any of that stuff, but I did have a sense. And especially once you started expressing uncertainty about it, I was like, yeah, he's probably right. One thing was, I think it had come like after we did the last two episodes were where basically we sold everything else. And then I think I at least felt like, oh, we need to have an episode that's like the opposite of selling our apps, like to kind of say, hey, look, we got rid of everything else, but we still have Castro. But we didn't really know what to talk about, about Castro at that time. We were in the middle of a bunch of development work, but it was stuff that we didn't really want to reveal the details of yet because it wasn't going to happen until this week. And so we ended up talking about, yeah, like the business models and like plans for the future and stuff that... I mean, stuff that is the things that we do have to deal with and we do have to think about on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, but not the stuff that we're excited about and passionate about. And I think when we get into conversations like that, I mean, sometimes we need to do it for ourselves, but when we're recording a podcast and talking about those things, I just felt like we just started repeating tropes that you've heard, like, a dozen times on other podcasts and stuff like that. And it wasn't really us. It wasn't our passion. It wasn't what we were excited about. We were just going through the motions in a sense. So I think deciding not to publish that episode, I mean, it meant that then we did go quiet for a while, but it felt like the right decision. And now we're back. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll try to do a few things differently now. Just try to focus on the things we're actually excited about that are interesting to us rather than trying to pretend to be interested in being businessmen or something. So one of those things is the design side of Castro and apps in general. I think we're going to try to talk a lot more about that, particularly this week when we have a lot of Castro 2.5 drag and drop stuff to talk about. Yeah, so iOS 11 came out and we released Castro 2.5 alongside it. We can go into some of the details of 2.5 later, but even 11 itself has been interesting to like to see roll out and see what apps are doing with it. One of the things I've been surprised about is how few iPhone apps have done anything with drag and drop when we've gone so all in on it and kind of spent most of the summer working on it. Yeah, I think when Apple demoed drag and drop at WWDC um, and a lot of the talk around it has been around like what you can do like with inter-app communication, like drag a photo from one app and drop it into another one or text or well, anything essentially. But the focus has been on, okay, how is this going to improve how you deal with multiple apps at the same time, which is limited to iPad and lots of the demos that show it show when you have like two apps side by side and you drag from one app into the other. On iPhone, drag and drop is still there, but it's limited to being used within a single application. You can't drag something and then drop it in another app. That's, I think, an arbitrary distinction on Apple's part. I hope at least that at some stage in the future they will allow that because I think it would be powerful and will be great to see stuff like that happening on iPhone as well. But even without it, 
even within an individual app, I think there's lots of really interesting things that can be done with drag and drop. And it's, I don't know, it can, it can change the paradigm of how you interact, even with an individual app. We published a blog post just yesterday, uh, going into a bit more detail on this. The point we start with there is the ability of the iPhone to detect multiple fingers moving around doing different things. That's been around since the first days of the iPhone. And I remember there were lots of cool demos at the start when the App Store started up first where people were doing weird stuff with like having tons of fingers on screen to play different music and things like that. But now it's pretty rare to use more than one finger. Like you'll pinch and zoom a photo or a map or something once in a while, but for the most part, you're just using one finger. And if you're an iOS app developer using the simulator that runs on your Mac, you can manipulate it just fine with the mouse for like 99% of what you need to do, which is still very much following that paradigm of like one pointer doing all the work. And there are reasons for that. I mean, an iPhone, maybe you hold it in one hand um, and you want to be able to do most things with, with your thumb or whatever, but it still feels like the capability or the promise of multi-touch is a bit underutilized yeah i think that like yeah you should be able to do things with one finger even in maps for example like sometimes i find it easy that if you want in google maps at least i'm not sure if this works in apple maps but if you want to zoom in and out on the map and you don't have a second hand available or you can't put two fingers on the screen at that time like there's a gesture that you can do like with a tap and hold and swipe at the same time and you can like zoom in and out that way but so what I, the way I think of it is that like yeah things should be it should be possible to do as much as you can with one finger, but if you happen to have another finger available, you are using both your hands at that time and you're able to touch the screen more. Then ideally, the operating system and the apps that you use on it will be able to offer you additional functionality that you're going to be able to do now that you have multiple fingers to interact with it. Yeah, it's kind of exciting because it's delivering in that promise a little bit where you can do much more powerful stuff because even if if you think about a lot of ios workflows are really tedious where you have to like tap on something go into special edit mode push on extra screens move things around and find a done button at the end in castro if we were explaining to a user how to queue an episode we'd say something along the lines of okay tap an episode cell to reveal the action bar and then look at the icons and interpret them and press the one that looks most like queue next and then then we have a nice little animation that bounces it down into the queue, which hopefully helps to make that connection spatially to where the episode has gone. But now we can kind of just say, yeah, put the episode in the queue. If they're familiar with the drag and drop interface, which it's available system-wide, so I think most people will be soon enough, that can just be this really intuitive thing where it's just like real life. You pick up an object and you put it in the box. I think it could really unlock a lot of much more powerful workflows and for moving data around and organizing things. One thing that's great about Apple like offering this as a framework that any developers can use and integrate into their apps is that there is going to be this familiarity across the system, or at least that hopefully there will this familiarity will grow across the system, that this is how you interact with things or this is how you drag and drop and it's consistent across different apps. We talked a few moments ago about how there hasn't been a huge amount of uptake for it on iPhone yet, a lot more on iPad. I hope Apple will try to promote this a lot more even among customers on iPhones because the more that customers get familiar with using this across all their apps, I think like the more intuitive it's going to become in Castro as well. Yeah, and it it won't be hard to spread it around. Like it's drag and drop has existed on the desktop forever, as well as it just being like a fairly intuitive I mean the word intuitive not just in the generic sense of like, oh it's easy to use. I mean 
it's something that's familiar with a real world thing that you already know how to do. So it won't, I don't think it'll take much to show people that it's there, but they obviously have to see it once before they know it's there. So before all this, there was an app called Workflow that used drag and drop really effectively to achieve some of the things we've been talking about, where in in Workflow, you would try to build these scripts of steps that would happen, like uh, crop an image, then send it to Twitter. And you could, put, you could drag all those steps over and create your own workflow with it. They had their own implementation of drag and drop, and it made their app much more easy to use than it might have been otherwise. I don't know if it would have even been possible to do what they wanted to do without drag and drop. But they had to build everything from scratch. And for us, we were able to use UIKit and the frameworks Apple offers. So it, in the vein of us talking more about design stuff, it'd be interesting to go through some of the details of what in Castro 2.5 is custom stuff we did versus us using frameworks that Apple offered. Brian Iris asked us yesterday on, on Twitter, like how much of this was like standard and how much of it was custom. I just kind of guessed at the percentages, so it's not exactly accurate, but my intuition was that like, Technically, 75% of it is like of like how things work behind the scenes is all standard Apple stuff. But in terms of UI, 75% of it is like our own custom stuff. So yeah, Apple gives you like the like the methods and all these the different things that you need to use like to make drag and drops happen and to like pass the data between either different parts of your app or on iPad between separate apps. But especially around dropping, even a little bit around dragging, any of the visuals, anything that you're going to see as you're interacting with the things is almost all down like to the individual app developers to decide. And I mean, a lot that makes sense, really, because some of it is going to like depend on the app and the way that something should look. Developers and designers want to have as much control over that as as they can. It'll be interesting to see over time, like if some best practices arise and like, even though each app is able to implement their own custom thing, if like some standard practices arise that are agreed upon as like, okay, this is like the best way to communicate this kind of thing. Do you mean in terms of like how drag previews look or any any part in particular? One example is that, so when we first like released a a beta that had drag and drop in it, and there were areas that we had decided that were drop targets, but it wasn't very clear to the users of our beta yet where the drop targets were. They knew what they could drag. Obviously, they were like, okay, yeah, we can drag episodes. But then it wasn't always very clear to them where they could drop them. So we needed to try to think of, like, what's the best way to communicate what a drop target is. So, for example, in our tab bar buttons now, what we have is, like, this little blue circle that like expands out to show you like oh yeah you can definitely you can drop stuff here if you let go of stuff here it's going to go in there i like that and i think it communicates it but it's not a system standard thing it would be cool if something like that did become a standard or if something else becomes a standard then that might be the kind of thing where we have to think oh maybe our blue circles aren't the best way to do this anymore because everywhere else is communicating it in this other way that's a question that each app has to answer for itself at the moment. How do I communicate where you can drop stuff and what that'll do? Yeah, totally. We had to kind of figure out what did we think was going to be the best way to do it. I remember looking at Finder a little bit or looking at the Mac and being like, okay, people have been dragging and dropping stuff around on Mac for years and like how is stuff communicated there? So for example, in the inbox or the archive in Castro, if you drag an episode like over one of those views that is a drop target, 
I don't mean the tab bar icon, which is that's a circle that pops out from it. But if it's like over like the whole view, that's like most of the screen. It's like a rectangular area. So the way that we indicate that in Castro now is like with a blue highlight around the edges of that view, which is essentially what Finder does on the Mac. We added a few extra little flourishes of animation on it just to be fun. But the <laughs> the animation aren't isn't as important, I think, as just the function of the blue highlight around the frame saying, you can drop here. If you let go here, this is going to, the thing that's under your finger is going to go in and it's going to be in this place. Well, especially because the way to cancel, I guess, is to drop somewhere where there isn't a blue highlight. In Castro, yeah. Yeah. At least you know when you don't see a blue highlight, you can just safely drop it and it'll go back to where it was. Because, for example, you might have picked up 20 episodes from your queue that you were hoping to rearrange. You don't want to accidentally drop them in the archive or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's good that if you're hovering over archive, this big blue thing will light up and you'll know, okay, that's where it's going to go if I if I drop it here. Yeah, so the one like standard thing that Apple has across those is, and I haven't seen all that many of them because I've only used it on iPhone and obviously the drag and drops are all about moving stuff within Castro. So it's not so much about copying, it's all about moving. So there are standard like system indicators for like, like blue is a move. And if you have however number of elements you're going to move shows in this blue circle or pill, depending on how many there are, like on the top right of the stuff that you're dragging. If it was going to copy, like that would be green and it would have a plus. So there's there's some like standard things across the system like that. If there's if it's an area that would normally accept a drop, but for whatever reason right now it's not going to, that would then have a circle with a line through it to kind of say like hey like a no entry style glyph. But just cancelling something altogether, I think it's still going to take users a little bit more time to really feel comfortable with. Like on the Mac, you would press Escape and you know like okay, once I press Escape, I'm going to be fine. On iPhone. You can like swipe your finger off the edge of the phone, not just to the edge and then let go. But like if you just like swipe it all the way off the edge, that will be interpreted as a cancel, which is probably the closest thing to press an escape on the Mac. But I only realized that two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> like I think we could even perhaps do something a little bit more in the app to try and communicate an area that is always definitely like a safe place to cancel like the now playing bar at the bottom of the screen is a safe place to drop stuff that's where i drop stuff if i definitely want to cancel it but for a user of the app they might have different expectations about what's going to happen in that case so it might be good to try to communicate more clearly to users where you can drop it to safely cancel i remember at one stage wondering like once we start to drag should we immediately like highlight in some way which of the tab icons are like suggested place for you to drop that like so say for example we have the discover tab on the right you can't drop stuff on discover and i wondered like oh when you start to drag should we like fade out the ones that you can't drop stuff on or like make the ones that you can drop stuff on like a bit bigger or something like that we played around with some ideas for it but i think ultimately it made more sense to yeah stick with the same like physical structure of the app even the idea that you pick up like episodes don't exist at the same time in each tab like that you're moving them between them it, they start in the inbox and then you put them in the queue or the archive i think that really helps with that spatial idea that these are things you're moving rather than just like a computer listing a database huh. yeah totally 
the way the spring loading works when you're holding a bundle of episodes and then you hover over the buttons, sorry, not buttons, when you hover over the tabs like queue or inbox or archive, the blue highlight comes up, but then it flick, it flashes maybe two or three times and then switches into that tab. I think that's really nice. Was that mostly custom or? That flashing behavior and like the like simulate a tap on a button by holding something over it is is like a standard behavior built into all uh, all all buttons in iOS. You can enable spring loading. And it's a little bit then opaque to like developers from there. It's like you don't necessarily get a callback when it's going to happen. It doesn't look any different to a developer than a tap. It's just that a user can learn over time that if you like, if you hold over this button, then it's going to essentially simulate a tap. It'll be just, it looks to the app just like you, you did that tap on it. That's a really nice feature for when you are using it one-handed, that you can pick up an episode, hover over the queue button, and then drop it in a specific queue location, not necessarily the top or the bottom. Yeah, definitely. Like, I always really liked the flashing animation. Like, I think it it looks really nice. You have so little control over it that it ended up looking kind of clunky for a while, though, because it would just be the square that the button was in, and it would be a standard color as well. So, it, like, it was always gray, and it, I could not find any way to customize what color that gray was going to be or, like, how it was going to be shown. But... Eventually, since we added the blue highlight ourselves, that meant that the gray kind of merged in with the blue, like they both just have a bit of opacity on it. So they it becomes blue and dark blue flashing rather than the gray. And then I just added a mask so that it was circular because it felt a lot more organic when it was a circular shape, like kind of emerging out underneath your finger rather than like this square, like really sharp edged rectangle. So yeah, it was like little things like that that just kind of ended up making it feel a little bit more natural under your finger. Yeah, I remember that was a moment during the beta when it really started to feel great, is that because before you'd be hovering over that button and it would change underneath your finger, but you'd barely see because your finger's there and not only is your finger there, but it's holding a load of cells. Once that blue circle was there, it was much clearer that I had found where I needed to drop the, the objects I had in my hand. Yeah, I think like especially when you're dealing with any kind of a small drop target, that's going to be important for like people to take into account because it can look fine in the simulator. You can be like, oh yeah, that looks highlighted. But when you're going to have a thumb obscuring the button when you try to go over it, I think like expanding out underneath the finger is like, it's critical essentially to, to making sure that the user feels that they are doing the right thing, that they have initiated this, this action. One idea you mentioned there as well was that you also, as well as having your finger obscuring things, you already have the the elements that you're dragging are also underneath your finger, so they can obscure your view in some sense as well of what the drop target is. Like by default on iOS, when you drag an item, what it looks like when it's dragging is exactly what it looked like when it was on screen. So it would be like the full cell of the episode, for example, in Castro, uh, like with the full description and all that. So like they got quite big. And I, I remember being worried for a while about like, is the tab bar too small of a drop target But when you like have this whole big cell underneath your finger at the same time? And also there's just a lot more information in that cell than is needed like just to tell you that you're dragging the right thing so we did these custom drag previews instead which are smaller and more compact and they just have like the artwork on the left which is going to poke out from under your finger so that you can still see the artwork there and they do have a little title there just to kind of clarify that like that this is an episode it's not the entire podcast that you're dragging and that means as well that when you drag from the filter bar like instead of like dragging from the filter bar and then you just have like these tiny little 
cells from up there like replicated under your finger when you drag from the filter bar they pop out and they like they look exactly the same so like we have different places where you can drag from in the app like it could be like a cell on the inbox or the filter bar or it could be an episode in the queue and those different things look distinct in their locations in the app but when you start dragging them they go to like a standard oh this is what an episode looks like when you're dragging it and I think those animations, when they pop out, especially when they pop out from the filter bar, it's just very satisfying. <laughs> okay, let's talk about our sponsor, Steam Clock. Steam Clock designs and develops quality apps for iOS and Android. They've shipped a number of their own apps like Party Monster and Wedding DJ, and they use what they've learned from those apps to ship products for their clients. Steam Clock's work focuses on quality, polish, and user experience, and they also do training in Swift and other app development topics. If you're in a business that focuses on web and need a native mobile app, SteamClock can help you. A lot of SteamClock's clients are companies that are focused on UX but don't have as much of a native tech background. If that's you, then get in touch with them. They're here in Vancouver on the West Coast, so if you're in California, they're on your time zone. And if you're in Dublin, they're not. But from working with Ashin, I can tell you that it's pretty cool to wake up and see that all the work is done. Thanks again to SteamClock for sponsoring the show. You can find them at steamclock.com. So it's easy to look at drag and drop and think that it's all UI stuff, but because it ends up enabling all these different batch actions, you can also end up needing to improve data model stuff underneath the UI so that it can efficiently now deal with like 100 items at a time instead of previously where you only ever could queue one at a time or archive one at a time. So we ended up doing some work to make that data model handling more efficient. And as well for downloading episodes, before when a user put an episode in the queue and Castro decided to download it, every single time an episode's put in the queue, we'd start the download, which was fine because usually you do a few at a time, not like hundreds. But now you could literally go into any podcast and drag over a thousand episodes and drop them into the queue. Don't do that. Don't please don't do it. <laughs> It'll be crazy. But it will. Actually, I think it will work. It'll maybe be a tiny bit slow to pick them up, but I think it should work. Anyway, the, the change I had to make to the downloader was to make it aware of how many it was downloading at once and be capable of queuing and pausing so that it's only downloading four at a time. And then once one of those four is finished, it starts the next one. So it's no longer trying to hand everything off to the downloader at once. It's instead like managing it as if it might have to deal with lots of episodes. So adding drag and drop to an app can mean having to think about some of that stuff as well it's not necessarily just oh all the things you could do before you can now do a slightly different way yeah that's really important as well because like it means that we can prioritize obviously we already know your the order that you have dragged them to listen to them in so we'll can properly prioritize downloading the ones that are near the top of that rather than the ones that are down the bottom and so if even if you don't have time to download them all right now before you leave the house or before you get on the plane or whatever, at least it will be prioritizing the ones near the top of the queue. So that's, yeah, that's great to have. Yeah, that's exactly like the this kind of invisible detail of an app that you don't see, but it's going to like make your experience with it like so much better, even whether you realize it or not. So there were a couple of things that Drag and Drop didn't offer that you ended up figuring out workarounds to. This isn't really a feature that was missing. It's more just a tweak in how it works. But you disabled auto-scroll on the inbox. Yeah, that was like something that annoyed me for months. And I tried to find like a documented way to to disable it. I should probably describe a little bit more what it means. So auto-scroll is that like, so when you've started a drag and drop session and you have an item or more underneath your finger 
and your finger is on top of a scroll view that you can scroll that scroll view by like moving your finger up to the top of it to scroll up or like down to the bottom of it to scroll down moving the finger that's holding the episode you mean yeah so you still just have one finger and like that's very important for example say on the queue where you're also going to be able to drop these episodes and the order of where you drop them is important so because you want to be able to drag an episode and then with the same finger scroll up towards the top of the queue and then drop it there but on the inbox it just was always got so annoying i would like start a a drag and then I would move my finger out of the way which would often be like down towards the bottom of the inbox because I wanted to be able to see the rest of the content and add more episodes to the bundle to drag but because my finger was down near the bottom then the inbox would just start scrolling all over the place I've eventually managed to find a way to disable that and I'm going to keep it a secret for now but it made such a big difference to going through the inbox and selecting those episodes when the inbox wasn't scrolling wildly because I can't drop that episode on the inbox another interesting detail is when you're holding an episode and scrolling with the other finger um, sometimes you do a fast scroll and just flick it and then put your finger back down to catch it and make it stop and the default behavior of that was to pick up another episode into the bundle oh yeah I had forgotten about that one (laughs) so there are a lot of little things like that that I think come out of just do the basic implementation of it and then use it a lot and you'll start to see those things yeah and some of these things i mean we've been filing radars all over the place and i think some of this stuff will be improved over time like i don't think that we will necessarily need to have these workarounds forever but i mean we wanted it to be as polished as possible even on day one of ios 11 we spent quite a bit of time on it. It was one of those things where the initial thing came together so fast that I think it made us a little bit complacent. I was watching the other day this video that we had sent to, I think we had sent it to the App Store at some stage during the summer when we wanted to tell them, hey, we're working on, this is what we're working on for our iOS 11 update. And we wanted to give them a preview of it so that hopefully they would consider featuring us when iOS 11 did come out. And I watched that video the other day And it's like the difference between how drag and drop looked and felt at that stage in that video as compared to the video that we released this week of the demo of the final product is just like technically a lot of the stuff still worked in the same way, but it did not feel the same. It wasn't as intuitive. It just didn't feel it just was not polished in any sense. So do you polishing did take a while, but that's what we like, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's one more. There's one more feature that we added in that I'm really happy with, and I think no user is ever going to realize that we had to work to make this happen, but it really helps, and it's not part of the default behavior. So even on an iPad, if you open the Photos app and go into an album and then try to reorder photos, like if you pick up more than one in your bundle that you're holding with one finger, and then you want to move those to the top or bottom or somewhere else, you can't do that. You can only move one at a time. And it seems like a crazy limitation. Maybe they just didn't get, maybe there's some issues with it internally that didn't get worked out. But for us, we wanted to be able to reorder the queue so that you could go down through your queue, pick out a few episodes maybe you're more interested in now, and then bring them all to the top or just be able to reorder it with multiple episodes at a time. And we wouldn't have been able to do that with the default implementation, but you figured out a really nice workaround. So I'm I'm really happy that's in there. I use that all the time now when I'm planning like the next few episodes I'm going to listen to. I go through the whole queue because I only have about 15 or 20 episodes there and like completely reorder it pretty often now. So one area of iOS that does have that, at least the only place where I've seen that is on the home screen. Yeah. You can pick up 
multiple apps on the home screen and drag them around and drop a few of them in one place. So it is figured out for the home screen, but it's not. it hasn't worked its way into standard table views and collection views as of yet. Again, I presume it's the kind of thing that will come along at some stage, but we really didn't want to ship without being able to do that. I mentioned earlier the little grey kind of circle with a line through it icon that would come up when you're not allowed to drop stuff in certain places. And like for a long time during the development, uh, that was like, I, I learned to really hate that icon because the only time I ever saw it was when I had multiple episodes under my finger in the queue and it was telling me you're not allowed to drop these anywhere else in the queue now because you have more than one of them. I'm glad we don't see that anywhere, anywhere anymore. I think that's all of the drag and drop tweaks that we did. You're, you're planning to write something up next week in maybe a bit more detail about each of those points. I mean, hopefully we managed to get like some of it across here, like in audio form, but I think it'll be good to document a lot of this stuff in, well, in text and hopefully in images and maybe even little videos, depending on how much time I have to finish off this post next week. But yeah, hopefully around about the time that we release this episode, we'll also publish a blog post about these things and kind of in a, like, this is how to do drag and drop well. I was about to say maybe that's arrogant, but I mean, I think we did it well. I mean, Vitici thinks we did it well. Yeah, that was so nice. I think like page page 937 of his uh, volume three of his opus on iOS 11 is all about us. That's great. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, it's so nice. Uh, Vitici said something along the lines of that Castro persuaded him that drag and drop is a worthwhile thing on the iPhone and not just a novelty. There's one more thing you can do in Castro that we never set out to allow a few people asked us for this at the start actually that once they had triaged their episodes and put them into the queue sometimes they change their minds and not quite want to archive them yet but want to just put it back in the inbox and think about it later we never allowed it because it seemed to kind of break the flow of it and it would have required an extra button on every cell for something that doesn't really fit the core idea but because drag and drop doesn't mean an extra ui we were able to just do it it's kind of interesting that when you just start are imagining what a user might expect when they pick up an episode and hover over something else or move to a different view. What's the reasonable thing to expect the app to do with that? That that unlocks a bunch of extra features that you might not have even considered. I thought that was pretty fascinating. So we were very opposed to like allowing that, not because we thought like, oh, nobody should ever want to put things back in their inbox. I mean, clearly they did, and they emailed us about it. But to add that extra button, it would have meant that other users who didn't want to do that would be faced with that button every time they ever wanted to do anything else in the app. That button would have just always been there, and it would have being disproportionate to how important that feature was like i'm delighted that it's there now for people who want to do it but it's not as important a feature as add this to my queue however if it was a button that was like beside the add to queue button then like i mean i guess we could have had it be a tiny button and look ridiculous but like just the nature of those buttons are like each of them looks like they're as important as the other ones and so like our decisions around like what kind of actions we were going to allow with those buttons had to be shaped by the fact that like the buttons are all the same size and that you you don't want to confuse users by having really vague or rarely used uh, things there right beside things that you're going to need every day yeah even i remember we had share in there at one point and even that felt a little weird mm-hmm. so ushin made a youtube video demonstrating all this drag and drop stuff and i'd say 
I mean, there's no way you're listening to this podcast this far and you haven't bought Caster already, so I'm just going to assume you have. But if you want to see Drag and Drop in action and see all the different ways it can work, it's a really good video. It's like three minutes, so check it out. And smash that button. That's what Oshin says. (laughs) (laughs) I think my YouTube personality is really starting to shine. It was fun to put that thing together. It's been a good week in terms of like, we're running a little bit long here, but like, I think maybe one final thing to even talk about a little bit before we finish up is like, just in terms of like having a launch and it being in like a week that's already going to be super crowded with all the other news. I mean, iOS 11 was launching and we were going to launch Castor 2.5 on the same day intentionally because we wanted to be there on day one with the new drag and drop features and we got a feature from apple on the in the app store in the united states at least in a drag and drop section and i don't know we wanted to align with that but it also kind of ended up shaping like how we approached dealing with like rolling out the news for the update which we kind of did more slowly throughout the week rather than trying to make a big load of noise ourselves on tuesday when the biggest media machine in in the world was uh, was rolling on their iOS 11 stuff that like we let Castro 2.5 come out that day and we were very lucky that like Vitici mentioned it in his review and in a few other places but then we only released our official like announcement blog post for it today yeah yeah, it was kind of nice to let that stuff roll in. I suppose not every update is going to be one where you've done such a good job of a particular feature that no one else has that other people are going to cover you. But when they are, it's pretty nice to just step back and let that happen. Yeah, and it was nice to be able to write up that post today, which was basically like compiling together links to like some other things during the week. So for example, like there was the teacher review that we've mentioned a lot at this stage. There was another review of Castro on Mac Stories as well. It was your blog post. It was the YouTube video. We could kind of like pull all those things together into one kind of summary post at the end of the week of like, hey, we launched Castro this week and here's how it went. One of the things I've wanted to do for years is to have an app be at the stage Caster 2 was when WWC rolls around so that we can dive in and figure out what the new features are and how they work for our app and really do a good job of it. And I felt like other years we've never quite had that line up perfectly, but this year I'm really happy with it. At the moment, I think Castro is like the canonical example of drag and drop done excellently on the iPhone. Yep. I'll drink to that. All right. I have an iPhone coming soon, hopefully iPhone 8. Oh, yeah. Plus. I forgot we were going to talk about the iPhone and the notch. Ah, fuck the notch. We're not talking about the notch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait for my notch. (laughs) Once you have a notch and we can try some stuff out, then maybe we can post, we can do some thoughts on it. But yeah. Okay. We don't need to talk about the notch this week. That's fine. I'm getting an 8 plus. That's what I want to talk about. It's going to be big. Yeah. That's the downside. I just want to know, tell me if if either calls it a phone or an iPad. <laughs> well, Emily already has a 7 Plus, so yeah, I base, I just want the good camera, and I'm also often pretty jealous of how well the battery lasts on Emily's 7 Plus. I think it'll just be like a nice new phone without it being groundbreaking, and I'm okay with that, so. Yeah, I'm waiting for the X just because I figure one of us needs to have it, so I'm just going to take it for the team, you know? Yeah, yeah, you can take that hit. <laughs> if you weren't getting one, I definitely, I think I would have. But that that excuse or that pressure is gone, so 
I, I tried to be a bit more sensible this time. I actually stayed up and ordered an eight, at like one second past midnight, and then changed my mind to an eight plus the next day. And the delivery estimate was still the same because all the nerds who need to have the latest device weren't online this time. So, <laughs> so I am still getting it today, hopefully. So I've been refreshing the page the whole time as we've been talking. I was hoping we were going to hear the doorbell in the background at some stage during this recording, but I guess not. Okay, uh, thanks for listening. I'm a bit giddy now because we actually managed to record an episode. This is great. It's good. Yeah, I feel good about it. We'll be back soon. I don't know when, but soon. As soon as we're excited about something, we'll be back and tell you what it is.